0: Lot Talk Radio.
1: You're listening to The Travel Brigade, your destination location with your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin.
2: Hello and welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host Jeff Griffin.
3: Thanks for joining us for this broadcast, and you can also check us out on our website travelbrigade.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Travel Brigade, or you could like us on Facebook.
2: That's right. And today we have a literally a special episode. We have done a lot on theme parks in the past. We've written about theme parks. We've done shows about theme parks. But one thing that we haven't done is dealing with families that have special needs children and taking them to theme parks, which is a whole nother level to enjoying your theme park.
3: The reason we wanted to do a show on this topic is because we have a special needs child in our family. We've taken them on some trips to theme parks and had some great, great times, great family experiences. However, there are some things that it helps to know when you try to do that. We wanted to share those things with other people.
2: Yeah, we have stumbled literally our way through this for years and years, and we kind of feel like we really have a good grasp now. We, we were so uh, lucky to have SeaWorld, Legoland, and Universal Studios uh, take some time out of their day to let us talk about this topic with them. So we'll be talking with them having interviews during our next hour.
3: We'll also have an interview with Dale H. Bohm, who is a disability law attorney. Give us some insight.
2: Yes, he'll also yeah, be able to tell people or the listeners what might be reasonable accommodations, what to prepare for before you even go to the park.
3: Now, there are a lot of different types of disabilities and disabilities dealing with mobility, people in wheelchairs and things like that. Those are usually taken care of pretty well by the parks because everything is spelled out so well in the Americans with Disabilities Act.
2: What we thought we would focus on since our uh, child is autistic is, is really kind of going through that gamut of developmental disabilities, mental illness and uh, emotional type disabilities, as well as autism.
3: And because these are disabilities that maybe people aren't as familiar with, and there's also not these clear-cut rules like there are, say, for mobility impairments. Correct. And so a lot of times you as the parent are going to need to explain to the theme park what your needs are, And the people working at the theme park might not have a lot of experience in dealing with those. And so that's why we wanted to share some of the things that we found.
2: So coming up next, we have an interview with SeaWorld. But before all of our great interviews with SeaWorld, Legoland, and Universal, we have Hot Topics and Travel.
3: And for this episode, we even have a theme park-themed Hot Topics and Travel. Very
2: nice. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show.
3: We'll be right back. Next up, hot topics in
1: travel. Questions or comments from the Travel Brigade? Tweet hashtag Travel Brigade or visit TravelBrigade.com.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry with my co-host, Jeff Griffin.
3: And this week we've got a theme park-themed episode. We're focusing on theme parks for families who have special needs children. And we always do every week a little news segment from the travel and destination hot
2: topics in travel hot
3: topics in travel <laughs> and this week since i thought we're doing theme parks i thought i'd do a little research on that the big news recently was that disney bought all the star wars stuff
2: i think it's amazing and
3: of course the big thing everybody started talking about right away was oh are they going to make more star wars episodes i, I ha- think
2: they've committed to make star i mean i could have read that wrong but i thought they committed for three more or that's the talk but yeah go
3: ahead well, anyway then i started doing a little research and stumbled across this thing on comicbook.com and it's many other places is i don't know why i didn't think of this before what would make a great theme park no way star wars right who does yes. theme, who does theme parks disney <laughs> okay. so When are we going to see a Star Wars theme park?
2: Ooh, we should start a petition.
3: And again, uh, (laughs) there's one, uh, comicbook.com. They've got uh, a picture of what one might look like. I saw a headline on another place that said, when You Wish Upon a Death Star.
2: Oh, and, nice.
3: And, and now look, I'm, my position on Star Wars is I enjoyed them as films, and, and, and that was about it. I And I understand the people who know how many moons there are on Naboo and who and, the chance And we have a
2: son that had to sit yeah. there during the heat and wait until he got a chance to fight at the Disneyland in the Jedi Academy.
3: So this is coming from somebody who, you know, enjoys the Star Wars movies but isn't a Star Wars geek. I think the best ride they could do would be a Death Star ride where you're riding along like you're Luke Skywalker and you're trying to shoot, like at the end of the first movie.
2: The, the I possi- hope that's the first movie. The possi- I hope it is. <laughs> The possibilities are endless. I think that's a great idea.
3: But where you're going down that tunnel and you have to shoot in that one little the space and, and blow up the that's Death Star. That's the end Star. of the
2: first one, hon.
3: Okay. See, he's <laughs> showing how. Showing. And, and, and I can't believe that it took me, you know, until I that I didn't think of that immediately. The force is not strong with me. <laughs> but it's sort of like the the perfect marriage of people who do theme parks and people who provide content that would make Let for a good theme park. Let
2: me see if this works. You will build a theme park.
3: <laughs> Why are you waving your hand at me when you do it?
2: <laughs> it's meant to go to Disney. It's meant to go to Disney.
3: Okay. So that could be coming up.
2: Awesome, That'd be great. If they,
3: if they build it, we will come. Yes, <laughs> They'll quote sure. another movie.
2: When we come back, we're going to be having an interview with SeaWorld talking about how parents can access special services for children with special needs right after this.
1: Have you printed Travel Brigade yet? Well, you can at their website with links to Twitter and Facebook as well as lots of great articles for all your travel needs. www.travelbrigade.com
2: Welcome back to Traveler Brigade, your Sunday morning travel show. This week's show, we are doing a special show on theme parks and theme parks for kids with special needs.
3: And one of my favorites, going all the way back decades (laughs) to when I was a kid. He's very old. (laughs) One of the first parks I ever went to was SeaWorld. And here to tell us more about SeaWorld and the programs they have there is Rob McNicholas, the Director of Park Operations. Thank you for joining us, Rob.
2: Hello, Rob. Thank you
3: for having me. Hello. Hello.
2: You know, we're doing this whole show because it sort of just became a really big thing. where travel writers and have been doing this for a really long time. We have a lot of, of listeners out there who have children with special needs. You know, they want to include the whole family when they go on trips and they go to theme parks. And SeaWorld, again, is not only one of Jeff's favorite, but, but mine. And how is it that SeaWorld welcomes guests with special needs?
0: Well, SeaWorld is all about welcoming all of our guests that come to the park. And we want to make sure we equip our guests with the knowledge they need before visiting our park. So, what we're really about educating beforehand by putting all the information online. So, any questions um, guests have or families have with the guests or a child with disabilities, they can definitely refer to our website, um, SeaWorldSanDiego.com. And we have a lot of information up there about our ride accessibility program for our guests with disabilities, about attraction, exhibit, show. Um, culinary, merchandise locations, and how accessibility uh, how accessible they are. Uh, and we also talk about uh, dietary needs for our guests. So well, before you come to the park, we really want to make sure we educate you and you have those tools in your pocket so when you get here, you can have an enjoyable experience.
2: You know, that's great. It's a great recommendation because I think planning ahead is half of the battle. And when you have that information available for guests online, they can kind of Maybe even do a checklist of things that are already covered in that guide. And what about things, questions that they may have that they don't read in the guide or any particular questions they might have when they come to the park? What might a guest do?
0: Sure. If they have questions way ahead of time, they can definitely contact us via email on our website. We're more than happy to talk to them and give them a phone call and answer any questions they have. But if it's on a short notice and they're already at the park or on the way to the park, definitely stop by our information center right inside the turnstiles on the right hand side. There we have team members equipped with all the information they need to assist you and ensure you have a great day here at the park.
3: We know that there you offer a variety of accommodations and one thing that we thought was really interesting was that you deal with dietary accommodations. Can you sure. tell us a little bit about that?
0: You know, all of our venues throughout the park are our culinary venues. Uh, we have lots of assortments of food, from salads to burgers to to fish. And hey, we want to make like sure that like those
2: Shamu cookies. I still eat those every time we go. <laughs> you,
0: you, you cannot beat the Shamu cookie or the Shamu ice cream bar. It's That's right, that one favorite. too.
1: That one too. Yeah,
0: it's perfect on a hot day. Uh, but we we want to make sure that there are so many guests out there who have dietary needs and special needs. So we have pamphlets at the park, at the information center. We have them available at all of our restaurants. And all of our team members that deal with guests with uh, dietary needs, so if you're at um, our guest relations office at the front, if you're at a culinary venue, they go through specific training on how to deal with these situations and make sure they have the tools to give the guests the proper information.
3: Tell us about, uh, we were reading something about virtual queues. What is that and how does that work?
0: Okay. Our ride accessibility program at the park, it matches the guest's physical and mental attributes that are needed based on the manufacturer's guidelines for the guests to safely ride the attraction. And we want to make sure that we're telling the guests what they can do versus what they can't do. So when you come to the park, um, you will stop by, uh, let us know how we can assist you, and we will print out a list of all the attractions you can safely ride. So when you get to Our newest roller coaster, Manta, which if you haven't ridden it, you have to come down and check it out. It's a fantastic ride.
2: We're actually going this week. We're so excited.
0: (laughs) It is amazing. (laughs) So be sure to check it out. And when you get there, uh, let's say the wait is about one hour. Uh You'll stop by with your pass at the entrance. You'll see the team member. He'll verify the information's correct and the ride's listed there. And then he will give you a time to return to the ride. So we know some guests aren't physically able to wait in the line, whether uh, the line not be equipped to handle a guest in a wheelchair, whether it be a guest who just can't be out in the sun for long periods of time, if a guest has autism and they may just get a little fidgety waiting in that long line.
2: This yes, will we give them the time to have, return. <laughs> have that experience personally. And yes, it's, it's not even for ourselves sometimes, but sometimes we as parents feel for the guests that are standing next to us. <laughs> it could be difficult, I'm sure. <laughs> but, so at
0: this point, it's great because then you can, you can get that time to return and you can go watch the Shamu show. You can go get a bite to eat or walk around one of the exhibits. You don't have to be maintained in one of those high traffic areas. You can get away if you want some quiet time, go into a quiet place in the park. You can go into one of the aquariums. So it's really a great time to spend time together as a family. You're not broken apart. You're all together, and you don't have to wait in that long line if you're not able to.
2: No, I think that's a really great idea. And also, you know, I, I know that there's sometimes people think that it's, you know, other different theme parks where people can kind of jump the line or be in the front, and there's kind of this fairness issue. But, I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, letting people have a time to come back is a great option, especially when there's other people waiting in line. And it seems it seems like a very interesting and innovative way to handle this situation
3: this ride matching that you've been talking about, is that similar to a pass or how, how does that work?
0: Yeah. So what it will be is when you receive the pass. So, so basically you will stop by the information center and you will say, uh, my son here has autism. And based on that, based on his height, if he's tall enough to ride every ride in the park, he'll get a list of every ride he can ride, which is every all the 10 rides here. Great. So when he goes around the park, he can go up to Manta and show his pass. And we'll check the front, we'll see Manta listed, and then we'll give them a time to return to the attraction. So it is a pass. It doesn't go to the front of the line. It's it's equal access, not special access.
2: No, that's, right. that's great. That's terrific. Tell us a little bit. I know that you do some special things like sign language interpreters for particular times of the month and those types of things. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Sure. It's the first Saturday of every month. And there's special show times throughout the park, and they're listed on the park map and at the show entrances. So for those guests who do have special needs in terms of hearing, we'll have sign language interpreters at all of the theaters um, that can allow those guests to uh, enjoy the show just as much as all the other guests do.
2: That's great. And can you tell us a little more information, again, where people can find that information online, the guide online, or where they can um, get information about tickets, anything they want to know about SeaWorld?
0: Sure. Everything is available at SeaWorldSanDiego.com. And once they go on the website, there's tabs up at the top. And you can just click those drop-down tabs, and one of them is labeled Special Needs. So there's a whole bunch of information on there, including the Disabled Access Guide. It includes all the information about the park. And then one of the tabs at the top right corner is Tickets. So if you want to go ahead and purchase those tickets, you can do it right online. And I don't have to wait in the lines here at the park to purchase. Perfect.
3: Thank you so much for joining us today, Rob. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: This is Travel Brigade, your Sunday morning travel show. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and check out our website, travelbrigade.com.
3: We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to the Travel Brigade, and now family travel. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co host, Jeff Griffin.
3: And we're going to be throwing out a lot of uh, contact information about these various parks and people that we're talking to today. If you didn't get a chance to write it down, don't fret. Just go to travelbrigade.com. We'll have all the contact information posted there on the website.
2: So we just had a great interview with SeaWorld, and we were able to do that interview actually right before we went to the park. So we went to the park and actually went to the customer service, guest relations we were able to fill out the form like they had suggested. They did take um, our son's height and weight and asked if there was any sensitivities to light or different things. And you actually get this kind of printout, like they said, a reservation form, which was really cool. And Manta, which was one of the new rides we just talked about, there was a really long line. And so you You know, we went straight up to Manta. They wrote a reservation time. We wrote the time down, went on another ride, came back, and were able to get on the ride. So it worked exactly the way. They told us it was gonna work and it was really helpful. Everyone there that was working, sometimes we find like there's a disconnect from what really should be happening to what's actually happening with the people that are running the rides and that didn't happen at all. The, these the guys
3: these guys were connected.
2: They were connected for sure. So it was a really, really good experience. And and one other thing, you know, we're gonna we have our interview with Legoland coming up next and theirs is more like a little credit card size card. And I do know that I kept that one and I also kept the one from Disney, which we're gonna talk about in the next segment. So I'm gonna put pictures of that in the on the show. So when you're watching the show, listening to the show, look at the picture rotation so you can actually get a look see of what these things actually look like.
3: Yeah and I think it's important with the with the reservation time and coming back, which is kind of what a lot of the parks are doing, is they're not just gonna say, Oh here, come to the front of the line. Because and that's not what these passes are meant to be. And that's is.
2: kind of a newer trend. I mean, yeah. there, there has been a trend. I think there was this trend where nothing was being done to a trend where okay, we'll just give you. A Here, line, come to the know, front of the yeah, line. Yeah, come to the front of the line, and and then you have you know patrons that are not disabled thinking that's not quite fair. So they really, I think they all kind of really have made a concerted effort to find a way that would work and I think this sort of reservation system right. which most parks are kind of using on their busier rides right now are really is really working.
3: Well and the other the other thing they've come up with is these alternate entrances and if you go into one you might need to still wait, you know, twenty minutes, thirty minutes to get on the ride. However, if you've got a child who doesn't do well with with crowds, him, crowds or, heat or. or you're you're in sort of a quiet, uncrowded space that isn't out in the sunlight, direct sunlight and things like that that will help them.
2: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I have quite a few of those experiences at Disney, which Disneyland, which we'll talk about during our next segment. But up next, we have an interview with Legoland.
3: And this is a, a fun, fun place. Um, when I was a kid growing up, I always wished I could live in a city built out of Legos.
2: And now we can.
3: And now I can.
2: <laughs> up next, our interview with Legoland.
3: We will be right back. You're listening to The Travel Brigade,
1: your weekly travel spot. With highlights of your favorite travel destinations, check out TravelBrigade.com and Travel Brigade on Facebook and Twitter.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your Sunday morning travel show. Here we are doing a special episode on theme parks, but not just theme parks, but theme parks for children that have special needs, trying to find out different things in the parks, what we can do to help accommodate our special children.
3: And one of our favorite places to go is Legoland, so we had to include them in this episode because it's a great place to visit. And here to tell us more about their policies is Jake Gonzalez. Welcome, Jake.
4: Hi, guys. How are you?
2: Thanks. Hey, Jake. You know, I just had there um, talk about one of my mini-me's that's autistic that has some special needs, and we've gone to theme parks, and we have different accessibility issues and things like that. I think one of the things that would be helpful for our listeners is tell us where people can find information, maybe even to plan ahead before they even go, information and guidelines that you have available for those who might need some special assistance.
4: Yes, you know, Legoland, first Legoland California Resort, we really, they were geared for families with children two to 12, and those are all children two to 12. And so to really make sure that our guest has a memorable and an enjoyable experience, we really try to offer something for everybody. And the best place to go if you do have a child um, that has, uh, you know, special needs is to go to our website, Legoland.com. When you, when you go into the kind of search the park tab, there's actually a safety tab on your left and you can actually find some information about our assisted access pass, which allows families with a special needs guest to move around the park a little easier and really try to aid them in making sure that they do have an enjoyable and memorable experience when they're in the park. It's a great pass, so what it does is it allows the guests to go up the exits of, of our various attractions and be able to get on those rides. But one of the beauties of it is when you go to com, you can find a lot of different information to really meet your needs.
2: So, Jake, tell us, when parents get to the park, where is an appropriate place for them to go and talk to somebody to get any assistance that they might need?
4: Yes, when you come to the park, so I, after if you've checked our website and you say, okay, we're coming, best thing to do is when you first um, come to the entrance of, of Legoland is go to the right and you'll see our guest services window. Go right to our guest services window and talk to one of our MCs. Our MCs are employees. MC stands for model citizen, and they will definitely be able to help you out with any questions that you might have, uh, any assistance that you may need, and really get you um, kind of started on the on the right foot and for a great day. So.
2: The passes that Legoland has is a little different. All the theme parks have something a little bit different. Theirs is a little bit a card, almost like a credit card size. Uh, when you get that pass and you go to the exits, what happens, Jake? I mean, it's not intended to put them to the front of the line if there's a three-hour wait for a ride. What happens if it's a really busy ride and you've got an access pass?
4: One of the things, we definitely, first, we definitely take this topic of first special needs very serious, and we're always trying to improve it. And what we have done is we have a card, and if there's a long line, what you do is you're, you're given a time to come back um, to that attraction. Almost I know what like a
2: reservation, really
4: a reservation, and you can kind of come back, and then there's a spot reserved for you to to kind of get on that ride and enjoy, and you can do that with all the various attractions. One of the the items we're moving towards is not even having that reservation where you're immediately served, and you're going to be able to get on that attraction with your party. Like I said, we're constantly meeting. We have various groups that we're always meeting with in the park, outside the park, um, to make sure that we're trying to give the best experience and most memorable experience to our guests. We're always trying to improve that experience for everybody. Which well, it's really
2: been helpful in my personal situation, and I think a lot of it is I always kind of make the joke that it's not just our party that has difficult time, not just waiting in line, but being in the sun and seizures and other types of issues, and that it really is helpful, one, to be able to go through the exit and kind of get away from the clutter of other people, There, But also, if it is a busy ride and you have to come back, you have the opportunity to, you know, go sit in the shade, to, you know, let your child get some water, do those types of things, you know, and then come back to a ride. So I think those are are great options, and Legoland does a really good job of that. Another thing I mentioned to Jake when we were talking is that they have lots of family restrooms, not just restrooms for, you know, boys and girls or males and females, but lots of family restrooms. So if you need to assist your child in any way, that there's, there's restrooms throughout the park that are labeled as family restrooms and they're really helpful to have.
4: Absolutely, you know, we we try to offer a variety of, of different options for families because a lot of families have, you know, maybe different needs. Uh, one option as well to discuss is some children have, uh, or even parents, um, may have food allergies, uh, may need gluten-free food. If you have some of those, what we do offer, offer as well is call us before you um, come to the park, and our chef can actually prepare food for you. And then when you're ready to have your lunch, he can have that food ready for you in one of our cafes. So that's another option. I mean, needs, when we say special needs, needs come in a variety of different shapes. And we are always striving to provide that memorable and amazing experience and really try to meet all of those needs.
3: So uh, where can people contact Legoland at?
4: When you can contact us at, at com. All our information will be there. There's a, uh, a disabled access guide that you can actually put in there, and, and there will be some different information and numbers. The easiest thing would be just to go to www.legoland.com. Go to Contact Us, and there will be some contact information there for our guest services. Go ahead and give them a call. And if you have any questions, any, uh, I guess, reservations, feel free to discuss it with them. They're more than happy to... Uh, accommodate you in any way possible, and make sure that you guys have, you know, a great trip or a memorable experience when you come to Legoland California.
3: Yeah, I think that's really important. We always encourage parents to talk as much as possible and let the employees know what your needs are. You know, they want to try to help you. You've got to let them know what your needs are in order to get those filled. If you didn't write down all that stuff about where to click on Legoland, we will have a hot sheet on our site at TravelBrigade.com. We'll have the direct connections on there that you can look up. Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Jake. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
2: This is Travel Brigade, your Sunday morning travel show. Again, thank you so much for joining us, Jake, and we'll be right back.
1: Have you friended Travel Brigade yet? Well, you can at their website with links to Twitter and Facebook, as well as lots of great articles for all your travel needs, www.travelbrigade.com.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are your weekly travel and destination show.
3: And today we've got a unique episode. We're talking not only about theme parks, which we've talked about in the past, but today we're focusing on families with special needs children going to theme parks.
2: That's true. And one of the places that we wanted to talk about is Disneyland.
3: We've had some really good times there with our child with special needs. They have their own particular pass that they use.
2: Yeah, it's actually called a guest assistance card. It used to be called a pass, but there was some concern that that meant like a front of the line pass, like we were talking about with some of the other theme parks. So now it's actually called a guest assistance card. If you, uh, while you're listening to the show, I'll put a picture up on rotating through the uh, pictures that we have, and you'll actually get to see what that looks like. That card, depending on what is worked out with guest services, can actually get you into an alternate entrance. It can get you into a regular line with some assistance. It can do different things. One of the things that we want to talk about is alternate entrances.
3: Yeah, these work out great. And now don't think of these as, oh, I'm just going to go right to the front of the line. You might still wait for 20 or 30 minutes. However, you're going to be in a place where you're not in the direct sunlight or you're not in a big, huge crowd, where your child is not being overstimulated by all sorts of things going on.
2: And two examples of that at Disneyland itself are Pirates of the Caribbean and also uh, Space Mountain, where you actually go, you don't even go where the regular line is. You go actually through the exit And they actually have, it's a shaded area, there's seats there. So Space Mountain, you could be waiting, you know, like we said, a half an hour or whatever to get on the ride, but you're sitting in shade, you know, you're not in that line with your child that's having kind of maybe a difficult time, you know, handling the line. So those are two really great things to do. And I think one thing that a lot of questions we get about is how to talk with the people that are there or where to go when you get to Disneyland.
3: And like we've been talking about in our previous interviews with SeaWorld and Legoland, what you'll want to do is go online beforehand, look at their disability policy. You'll want to think about what specific needs does your child have and how to communicate those needs. We'll kind of be talking about that with, with Dale Baum, our disability law attorney, later in the show. But you'll need, you'll need to be ready to do that because they'll need to know what your needs are before they can fulfill them.
2: So at Disneyland, most of the the theme parks we have been focusing on today have been in Southern California. At Disneyland, you actually go to guest services, which is right through the entrance. They can help you there, tell them that you would like a guest assistance card. They may ask you, they will ask you uh, questions about your child, ask you what types of services that they can extend. They won't ask you what the disability is. As a matter of fact, if you say... For an example, my child has Down syndrome or my child has autism. That in and of itself doesn't access the card. What you need to tell them are things about my child has a hard time standing in line, my child has a seizure disorder, so they can't be exposed to the sun for a a period of time. So those types of things. And I think Dale's going to cover that a little bit more clearly. And I think
3: it's important to note you don't have to bring proof of disability, you don't have to bring a Medicaid card, you don't have to bring your IEP from school, you don't have to bring any of those things, you just have to say, look, here here are the needs that my child has. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we talk about these alternate entrances, we've always kind of joked that the alternate entrances aren't just for the benefit of us, they're for the benefit of the other patrons in line, because some kids have a really difficult time in crowds. Okay, our and, kid. And, and, <laughs> That's
2: really... Some no, kids with autism don't understand personal yeah, space
3: difficult. and things like that. And in fact, we we joke we had a a friend who with a child with a disability, and people in line were saying, "Did you know there's a pass that you can go yeah. over here?" So <laughs> um, it's not always for your benefit. It, it also benefits other people as well.
2: So up next, we're going to be talking to Universal, and one of the things I love about Universal is they are very family friendly. Which anytime you get a theme park that's family friendly, you know you're you're almost just rolling into this whole larger family, which happens to include, you know, children with disabilities. But one of the things that they do at Universal is they have these uh, parent swap passes, and they also have child weight rooms, and these rooms are great. They've got TVs in them, toys in them, videos going on, and you literally could stand in line um, to go on a ride. You could do a, you know, swap with your spouse. And then, you know, your child, if they don't want to go on the ride, could wait in this waiting center. So I really think Universal does a really good job at that. And then we're going to be talking to Universal about their their assistant passes that they have.
3: So stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Travel
1: Brigade with Jeff and Kathleen. Catch them at TravelBrigade.com.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your Sunday morning travel show. This is Kathleen Curry with my co-host, Jeff Griffin.
3: And this week we're talking about Southern California theme parks, and more specifically about taking children with special needs to those theme parks. And here to tell us about one of our favorite places, Universal Studios Hollywood, is Trine Pittum. Welcome to the show, Trine.
2: Hey, good morning, guys. You know, we've been talking to different theme parks, and we've got families, parents that are listening I think one of the big things that we want to emphasize is maybe the pre-planning before you go. Where can people find out information before they even get to the theme park, maybe accessibility guides or a phone number they can call, any, any resources that they can do, maybe even before they plan their trip to Universal?
5: The best bet for Universal is to actually call our guest relations department, and there you can speak with a person to ask any of your candid questions you might have. And they can also email you those special guides that you might need, um, and that guest relations number is 818 622 3750. So it's always a great idea to give them a call um, first and, and find out um, the best way to handle your day.
2: And then once parents get to the park, is there a place that they might want to go and get information while they're there, check in
5: yeah again you'll you'll want to head straight to guest relations there in person and and there you can let your the um them know that you do have a, a child with special needs, and they'll ask you what those limitations might be and more often than not, you'll be given a guest assistance pass. Um, for the child and up to three guests in the group. And what that guest assistant pass does is allows you to go to the attractions that you'd like to visit, get a return time ticket. So say you have a big Shrek fan, and and that's something that that your child wants to do first. So go to Shrek. They'll give you a return time ticket. Say the return time ticket says 1 o'clock. Now, you don't need to worry about rushing back and having to be there at 1 o'clock. It's just an invitation for you to come back to Shrek at 1 o'clock or any time thereafter, and you'll be escorted straight to the front of the line line and be able to access that show right away instead of having to have your child um, stand in any sort of line.
2: I think that's great because I think that's really sort of where it becomes sort of a controversy is that nobody wants to assume it's a front of the line pass but at the same time you've got lots of children who just aren't capable of standing in line and I think the return time is a new and upcoming thing with theme parks and I think it's a great idea that really works where there's a three-hour line on an attraction, you can go into a shaded area, you can go take something else in while you're there, and then come back to that ride.
5: Yeah, exactly. And like I said, the, the flexibility that it offers by not giving you a, a pigeonhole time of when you need to return, but rather telling you, you know, this time or any time after, um, you know, it really helps with the planning of your day and being able to experience all the attractions that you want to visit.
3: One thing we were really impressed with last time we were there were the waiting rooms on some of the rides for for parents and uh, the swapping tickets option, if you could talk a little bit about those.
5: Yeah, those are really a savior for parents, um, not only with children with special needs, but also with uh, young ones, um, those that don't meet the height requirement. Um, I tell you, my, my favorite child switch area is probably Transformers because they have a big window where the kiddos can can look at all the cars coming in, and, of course, there's all sorts of lights and buttons lighting up, so it's really entertaining <laughs> for the kids, and they're not bored during their wait. But, yeah, every attraction has a tr- child switch area where mom and dad can take turns enjoying the rides with the older with the older children or the children who um, actually want to experience that particular ride and uh, one great thing we've recently added, actually down on our lower lot, which is where three of our most intense attractions are, which is the Mummy roller coaster, the uh, Revenge of the Mummy, um, Jurassic Park the ride, and Transformers. All three of those are really going to be for you know older older children and those children that are capable of you know handling a more intense experience. So there's a new area down there called the Dino Play area, and it's a huge dinosaur, and he he has ropes and and little climbing areas all over him. And, uh, yeah, so your your younger kids or those that aren't ready for those intense rides, you might actually have a hard time pulling them out of there even after you guys are done experiencing those intense rides in the lower lot. It's a really fun new area we've created.
2: Yeah, I think Universal's really ahead of the game with, with those areas. And I think, you know, we in particular have a, a child that has sensitivity to the sun and seizures and those types of things. And so even being able to get him out of the direct sunlight and to be able to wait while he, you know, he's waiting to get on a ride. I mean, those are really great options. Yeah,
5: yeah, like I mentioned the, the Transformers um child switch area is actually right there at the boarding, um in the mummy it's also a, a, an enclosed area. The Dino Play area which is adjacent to Jurassic Park. Um it is it is a bit shaded and in addition to that it also has the nice cool
2: misters blowing. So those really are great it's by the of, way, On yeah. a hot day up in Universal. You get to find those misters all around the park and they are Yeah.
5: Great. Yeah. No, it adds it adds the ambiance of making it misty and, and very Jurassic, but but uh, the cooling factor is definitely what what the mom and dad are
3: going to appreciate. Well, Trina, we gave out the guest relations number earlier, and for those of you who didn't write it down, we will have a hot sheet on our website, travelbrigade.com, where we'll have contact information about all of today's parks that we're talking about as well as their websites. And if you want to just give out that website information.
5: Yeah, our website is universalstudioshollywood.com. And to repeat that number, it's 818 622 3750 and you're going to want to call that for instance if you have a, a child or or any person who's hearing impaired we actually um can provide um a, a translator um just to, to have a someone who speaks sign language um go with you through the park you just oh, need wow. to call that number yeah one or two weeks in advance um depending on the two weeks in advance just to be on the safe side um and that's Complimentary. We're, we're happy to provide that for you. So so if there's something that you think is going to take a little bit more planning, be sure and give that number a call a couple of weeks in advance, and chances are at no charge to you we'll be able to to provide someone to assist you
3: with your visit. Thank you very much, Tanae. We appreciate you giving us this information.
2: Absolutely, and we, we uh, hope to see you guys here very soon. This is Travel Brigade, your Sunday morning travel show.
3: We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to The Travel Brigade your weekly travel spot with highlights of your favorite travel destinations check out travelbrigade.com and travel brigade on
3: facebook and twitter
2: welcome back to travel brigade your weekly travel and destination show this is kathleen curry here with my co-host jeff griffin
3: universal was so fun that is one place where even though i know it's to ride i'm still frightened <laughs> We've actually had a
2: chance to talk to now, SeaWorld, Legoland, Universal. We talked a little bit about Disney, and one thing that we could do to answer a few more questions is talk to our good friend Dale H. Bohm.
3: Dale is an attorney who focuses on disability rights law. He's someone who's very passionate about this area, so he's been able to kind of combine his passion with something he's really good at, which is being an attorney.
2: So we thought it would be great for him to come and give us some advice for parents and families who are coming to these theme parks and maybe what they can do to have a better vacation.
3: So stick around. Dale H. Bohm is coming up next. You're listening to Travel Brigade. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to the Travel Brigade. And now family travel. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show Today, our show, not on just theme parks, but theme parks when you have your special needs children with you.
3: And it would be good to know what laws apply, don't you think? I think so. (laughs) And we have a friend named Dale Bohm who we love because he's rakishly handsome and roguishly charming, but also because he's a disability law attorney. And
2: we like to call him Dale H. Bohm. I don't know why, but Dale H. Bohm just flows a lot better. Hey, Dale. Hello. Welcome to the show. And I'm it,
6: glad to be here.
3: And I think last time we had you on when we were talking about cruising the the point we made and yeah we're bringing in the attorney but your your point was better to have a good vacation than a good lawsuit every time.
6: It, it is absolutely better to have a good vacation than a good lawsuit and the difference between the two often comes down to preparation and being able to uh, address the issues before they become issues.
2: Well what are reasonable accommodations you you we just heard interviews from Sea World, Legoland, Universal, we just talked a little bit about Disneyland. Tell us what people can do before they even step foot in the park talking about being prepared. What is a reasonable combination and what can they do to be prepared?
6: Well, as any parent with a special needs child knows, one of the the gifts that you're given when you're given a special needs child is the fact that you have to prepare ahead for everything.
3: Amen. Every, Amen.
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are things that you have to think about beforehand that no one else has to think about. And so that is probably the number one issue that I would say is, you have to be able to organize yourself and think to yourself, in this environment, what is my child going to need? And then be able to articulate that. If you look at this from a theme park's point of view, theme parks really are different than you know, going to the mall or, or, or going to any sort of shopping center. They're small cities. They have the same problems that cities have, uh, traffic flow, logistics, real estate. And
3: yeah, I don't know how they he, do it by the way. It's it's yeah. amazing when you well, consider how many huge, thousands yeah. of people are in one small space.
6: Right. And and often if you if you look at some of the theme parks that you know are are, are well known on any given day, the population of the theme park may be higher than the population of the city in which that theme park is built.
2: <laughs> That's true.
6: Okay. And so more than that, the population, the, the people who are residing, quote-unquote, change every day, and their needs change every day. And so the theme parks are having to keep ahead of this. Years ago, when uh, you would ask for an accommodation, they would say, well, you know, what do you need, and sort of put, just put, your, put you in the front of the line. Just put you in the front of the line. Right. But as time has gone on, there's a balance they have to build between putting you in the front of the line and irritating the rest of the population of exactly.
3: this school. Well, and I think that is an important thing. As, as a parent of a special needs child, you shouldn't go in expecting, like, oh, we're just going to go on rides when we want to go. <laughs> there's, exactly. there's other factors that, that have to come into play.
6: Right. And you have to be able to articulate those factors to say, what do we really need here? What is really going to be the thing that's going to accommodate my child? So when you ask the question, what types of accommodations? Reasonable accommodation, the first word in that is reasonable. And so you have to think to yourself, what is reasonable? And the second part of that is accommodation, and that's an invitation for creativity.
2: So you're not saying I can go to the guest services, say, can I have an escorted service to the front of the line on every... (laughs) mobile transportation from ride to ride and an escort, an armed escort, to the front.
6: <laughs> I, want to, I want you to move my child right up front every time, push everyone out of the way. That's probably not going to go over well. Yeah. yeah. You know, most theme parks have developed over time categories of accommodations that they will provide. And, you know, they have group A for physical disabilities and group B for you know, uh, death or group C, you know. And so they develop these as time goes on for the uh, accommodations that come up again and again. The issue that you're going to run into is if the accommodation that's necessary falls somehow outside of those well-worn, well-trodden areas of... uh, uh,
3: of Those well-worn wheelchair
2: (laughs) no, I, I couldn't agree more because I think one of the most questions that we get from our listeners is that we love to reference people to to let's say a theme park's disability guide but if if it's not like a light sensitivity or a you know mobility access or one of these things when we're talking about kids that have developmental disabilities or autism they the spectrum is so wide you you'd write a 100-page pamphlet if you could for everything but i agree so so the things that are not Maybe spelled out in those guides you're saying that people need to plan ahead and prepare or
3: you need At to table, spell them out you, for the yes, theme park good would, point. That, would that be a way to put it
6: exactly when you are developing your arguments as it were sorry i'm an attorney Hazardous. <laughs> <a thought>. um <laughs> we billing us argument. by the hour by yeah. the way so hurry it <laughs> exactly. up exactly
2: but,
6: <laughs> so, but only in six minute increments so there okay
2: you go.
1: <laughs>
6: um uh, When you're developing your argument, you also have to remember that uh, the way you articulate it, you don't want to raise any flags because the other issue upon which all of their logistics is built is safety. Correct. And so if you are explaining that, you know, if my child is in a confined space, you know, uh, subject to crowds and noise and they have a, a sensitivity to that, they'll freak out. What the park is going to hear is we're bringing a child who's going to freak out into the park. Right. And they're not going to be quoted as... Pleased to accommodate at that point, and you know, if you look at it from the point of view, why would they be? And so you have to balance between explaining the nature of what you, is going to be required, without pushing it into uh, trying to use fear as a weapon. If my kid is it, really
3: dangerous. <laughs> yes, my kid is really dangerous. You don't want
6: to. You don't want do to. But you don't want to do that. But once again, you look at this and say, in any situation. Uh, pushed to the extreme, something could happen, and you're trying to avoid that at all costs. Well, I think
2: the- one, too, is a lot of, and I think a lot of parents don't know this lingo, but using the word alternate entrance is, mm-hmm. I have found, it's not even just the time, it's the quiet, shaded, maybe there's a seat, but there's sometimes there's alternate entrances to rides, and even if we're sitting there for 20 minutes or half an hour, but we're not standing in a line in the sun in the crowd, and having all of that action going, it makes it a totally different experience.
6: And this is why websites are great, because finding out how the park refers to it helps you to frame your discussion.
2: Good, good point. Finding
6: out the terminology that the park uses really assists there. It, it hurts my heart to say this, but having an attorney call is probably not your best course of action right out the gate. <laughs> I just contact a few times by parents in different situations, not just theme parks, where they've said, we want you to call and explain to them what they have to do for us. And the minute that they hear, you know, hi, Dale H. Boehm, attorney at law, they circle the wagons. And I'm not talking with their accommodations person anymore, I'm talking with their legal department. And it it adds layer upon layer of bureaucracy into the situation. The most informal means of resolving any situation is almost always the best. A, a lawsuit is the worst way of resolving any situation because it's just a blunt instrument. It's a baseball bat where what you want is a scalpel. Well,
3: what if you do find yourself though in a situation where you're trying, you're explaining it to the employee, and you feel like you're not getting. Anywhere, And obviously, you know, you're not going to phone up your attorney while you're waiting in line. But what, I mean, could, could you ask to speak with someone else, to Absolutely. talk to a supervisor? Well, what advice would you have in that situation?
6: In in theme parks specifically, like I said, because of the logistics, every supervisor has a supervisor. And you can go up that line. And usually you can go up that line fairly quickly. And if you run into, and I, I have found this both in my personal life and in my professional life, the line that they're is, he's unavailable, you know, she's unavailable right now. Then you say, well, who's above that? That mm-hmm. there's somebody available. There is no possible way that you are the highest rung on this ladder. <laughs> well, and
2: I also think keeping calm, because I think the first thing, like you said, when you talk about, you know, them getting their rallies together, is the second that you sort of seem out of control, then they feel like they need to sort of get in control. And I think that if you're calm and you keep delivering the same message, that that's, that tends yeah, to help a lot. Yeah, because I think
3: a lot of times you're, you're just dealing with somebody who's not trying to be difficult or anything. It's just they've never dealt with this particular situation before, and you just got to have a good discussion about about how to how to get everybody what they need
6: exactly and in, in these situations i tell my clients all the time the first person to angry loses the first person to get angry loses you have to be able to explain yourself calmly it is kind of a new frontier i will say though as far as theme parks go because just this last july the the ninth circuit which is over california and admittedly, there are a lot of theme parks in California.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs>
6: the ninth, yeah. Yeah. The, the Ninth Circuit made a decision regarding a, a, a very well-known theme park saying that these categories that I was talking about before cannot be the end-all and be-all. The idea of an accommodation invites imagination. Do we really need? And Thank what you will make
2: so it much for spending time with us today and hopefully helping get some questions answered. Thank you very
3: much, Dale. Good to talk to you. You're
2: listening to Travel Brigade. Make sure that you contact us on our website, TravelBrigade.com. Follow us at Twitter, at Travel Brigade, or you can check us out on Facebook.
3: We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin, with our special program on special needs children at theme parks.
3: And this is the he said, she said portion of our show, and we're going to do it a little bit differently today because this is sort of a unique show.
2: We are going to do our top three experiences traveling with our special needs child at a theme park And what it is that made it so unique.
3: And a lot of times it's just in terms of people really being nice to us and really showing how much they cared and how much they liked having us there at the park.
2: So starting with our number three, our mini-me is particularly concerned about what he eats or more than what he doesn't
3: eat. Right. He's a carbotarian.
2: And the food has to be a certain way. It has to not only be a certain way, it has to look a certain way. It has to taste a certain way or he will not eat it. And it's difficult when you're at a theme park trying to find food that matches this request. When I was at SeaWorld, I was going around telling people, you know, yes, that Alfredo, please don't put any pepper in it. Please don't put parsley on the top. It can't, it can't look like it has anything other than white sauce. <laughs> And they were so accommodating on several occasions. I just remember how nice they were. If I wanted the seeds out of the watermelon. They're like, oh, I have a piece back here that doesn't have any seeds. I mean, they were just so, so nice about his particular needs.
3: And mine is kind of similar to that. Our mini-me is now getting into his teenage years, and but he still enjoys a lot of TV programs and things that are aimed at at
2: a younger audience, a younger,
3: much younger audience. <laughs> and we, <Nickelodeon>,
2: were, uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, we were at Universal and we just kind of happened to come around the corner. And this is another fun thing about Universal is you'll just sort of come around a corner and there's a bunch of characters there. And these were the characters and I don't remember exactly what they were, but they were the ones that are more aimed at a younger audience. And so you had this group of five to eight-year-olds crowded around them. And I think
2: eight would be pushing it <laughs> Three to five-year-olds.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got this teenager coming in, getting all excited and, and jumping up and down and wanting to take pictures with people and get autographs. They didn't treat him like he was anything out of the ordinary. They just it was invited sweet. him on in, interacted with him, and he just loved it. He was in heaven for those few minutes that he was there with them. Yeah,
2: one was Scooby-Doo. I remember That's that. Okay, yeah. yes. Now that I remember it was, that. anyway, he just, like Jeff said, he just had a really great time and I think it was just really great because, I mean, this is a child who goes to Disney and buys Tinkerbell wings in the princess store at, at a, teenage, <laughs> a teenage boy. So for them to be so sweet and accommodating, it, it was just really nice that they were. So that brings us to number one.
3: And this was sort of a Double dose, and we know what it's like with a child with autism and developmental disabilities. What we didn't know until this one experience was what it's like to also have a child with mobility disabilities.
2: Yeah, we have a couple of mini-me's, but what happened the day before we were going to Disney, uh, which we already have to pre-plan and prepare for one mini-me because of his special needs, we had a another mini-me who um, happened to really injure her ankle to the point where it was swollen. She had to go to the hospital the night before and couldn't walk on it and was just just devastated that we would go to Disney without her, so we went and got a wheelchair and had a wheelchair the entire day, and I... I had two special needs passes, one for each child because Disney was so accommodating and, and I just can't believe how nice people were to like open the doors for us and move out of the way and, and I kind of had both these kids that were just, you know, a full-time job trying to go around the theme park and just everybody was so nice and it was really kind of a amazing experience to me to just have an experience that I hadn't had before.
3: I think that is one of the nice things about all these theme parks we've been talking about is... Yeah, they have these policies in place, but more importantly, all the employees know these policies and they execute them the way they're supposed to be done. It's not sort of like it says one thing on the website and then you get somewhere and the guy goes, I don't know what you're talking about. At these theme parks, everything is coordinated lawlessly.
2: Yeah, well done. Well done. So kudos to all of our Southern California theme parks that we work with. We've worked with other theme parks outside of Southern California, but this is where we were. So we thought we would take advantage of making sure that we got access to all of them.
3: And I think, yeah, if you're going to theme parks outside of Southern California, maybe you're going to Orlando, maybe you're going to some of the big parks in the Midwest, wherever you're going, remember that these parks are all covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. They're all going to have policies They're all going to want your business. They're going to want to work with you to help your family have a great day there. So study up beforehand, see what their policies are, and be ready to talk with them about your child. And
2: if you have any comments or questions, please uh, tweet us at Travel Brigade or uh, write it on Facebook. We'd be happy to engage in some conversations about it. It's kind of a passion for us, traveling with uh, children with special needs and not just in theme parks, but on cruises, hotels, road trips, all of those things. So.
3: And don't forget to check out TravelBrigade.com where you can find contact information for all the people we talked with and about today. That wraps it up for this episode. Next week, we're going to be visiting a really fun destination. We're going to talk about food, hotels, things to do.
2: All sorts of fun stuff.
3: Until then, there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whichever stage you're in, we hope you'll join us next week for the Travel Brigade radio show.
2: See you next week.
3: You've been listening to The Travel Brigade on Blog
1: Talk Radio. Listen live every Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Contact us on Twitter, Facebook, and at TravelBrigade.com.